Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm going to so. say Joe Theismann. Out of nowhere, you got it. Booyah! On the day you said, I don't know if they'll man, get oh any. Man. He gets five. Oh, yeah, that's right, baby. It's playoff time. You got to raise your level. Got to get laser focused. Be ready. Take it up to 110%. That's what I did last week. You did? Yes, five did. for five. What's up, man? Chris Sims, Paulie Burmeister, Chris Sims on button. It's the Monday after week 17. We got the playoffs coming. You were so good on last uh, last week right. on the quarterback jeopardy. Right. It was so unexpected. As yeah. I was driving home, I was starting to think maybe maybe there was some kind of conspiracy. Maybe somebody maybe there was some help. Maybe there were some assists. I, see, no. this this constant disrespect. <laughs> One, you're an idiot. You won't get him right. Now you got him right, and you must have cheated. Holy yeah. crap! I I'm mean, watching Florio too much. There's always a conspiracy <laughs> oh, theory. Yeah, with that, he has. Don't like, do that. Yes. Maybe, maybe there's something to that. Yes. But yeah. Week later, congrats. Okay. Thanks, thanks. No QB Jeopardy today. No, no. We got a lot to talk about, but that was good. It was good. And your text messages after were funny, where you were like. <laughs> I'm proud of you, but yet disappointed. A little, little, little bit of both. Yeah, a little, little bit, bit of both. both. So either Mostly way. proud. So how was it yesterday here watching games with everything going on, all the implications? Always like week 17, crazy. Yeah. Too many 4 o'clock games is crazy, yeah. Yeah. right? So you, you are. Your head's spinning. You're getting ready for a show. We got like, you know, a little meeting why the games are going on. You're really, you know, you're listening, but you're trying to pay attention to the games. Either way, uh, it was an exciting day. It was a fun day. And I don't think it was too overwhelming. I think at one point I just finally got it down to like, okay, I know these, all these games are on, but I'm going to put the majority of my focus you know, on these three or whatever to where you felt like, okay, I can handle that instead of trying mm-hmm. to watch seven games at once. All right. Uh, good problem to have. Yeah, I always is. have people say, like, you really want us to feel bad for you? You're watching football all day long? <laughs> yeah, right. I know. It can be difficult, though. Okay. Pete has this well mapped out here. We've got themes. Cool. And we're getting right into it now. I'm crow hopping into those so, so they can roll it. Let's do it. With a damn okay. Damn. Okay. Damn. There we go. I'm okay. Timing was good. Damn. I'm okay. Yeah, no. I mean, yes. I'm okay. The legal gambolizing. Oh, baby. I am Chris Sims. I'm okay. Damn. Okay. Extended version once again. Playoff version. This is the AFC wildcard edition. Booyah. All caps as uh, laid out here by Pete. Uh, out of respect. Remember in, in Goodfellas, one thing happened. He's like, you want to know why? It was out of respect. Yeah. Out of respect for Cleveland not having been to the playoffs since 2 yes. yes. Let's start there. They knock off the Steelers 24-22, to and they are in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, awesome. G- great for Cleveland. Wasn't easy yesterday, as you know. I mean, I, I think the big thing with that, you know, I-, I-, I had a lot of friends text me like, oh, man, I mean, if we could barely win against Pittsburgh, because I got a few Browns friends or people from Cleveland, if we could barely beat Pittsburgh – when they don't have Big Ben and some of those guys out, how are we going to beat them next week? Listen, 
you know, it's not just, you know, apples to apples necessarily. You know, one, hey, Pittsburgh did get to go out and just play free and not, you know, loose, have no pressure. There is something to that. There's no doubt about it. I always say in these type of games, really, you know, the desperation factor doesn't come into play until the game really gets put in the balance late in the game. And then that that team that's in the must-win situation can usually dig a little deeper in those situations to pull out the football game. Mm -hmm. But if that team that's got no pressure and it's all going good and it's all going uphill and smooth, they can feed off that energy and, and be dangerous. But either way, it was a very impressive win for the Browns. The pressure was on them, mm-hmm. definitely. They had a lot of obstacles to overcome once again during the week. They got a lot of players that were missing in that game yesterday. It doesn't make me think differently about the matchup that coming up this week in the wild card game. They can still win that football game. But I think between Nick Chubb, what you saw there, you know, sure, the defense was not at its best. But I think the other thing, too, is just Baker. You know, Baker, at a few of the throws and scrambles he made in the football game were big time. It's not always about consistency. Sometimes it's just about who's going to make the big play in the big moment. And I thought Baker really did that for the most part of the day with some scrambles and some other off-schedule throws where I went, that's why you picked that guy number one. Way to go, Cleveland. And it wasn't just a one-off thing that's happened uh, no. yesterday, the last couple of weeks. It's been the last few weeks going all the way back into, I think, mid-November. Yes. Best thing you saw from him yesterday? Uh, I think it is the, the scrambling, the backyard aspect of his football game. There. He's found a way to, to kind of maintain that while they're still doing a lot of very strategic play action set up no here. No doubt. There, You're right? right. But I think it's all about the comfort that we've talked about with him just feeling comfortable within the offense, What's, what the coach is asking with that certain play call. And now he's just he's back to playing football again. So, oh, okay, wait, Stefanski didn't call the right play? All right, no, no big deal. I can make a play happen to help the team out in this situation, keep us on the field on a third down or extended drive or do anything like that. I think that's what really lo- that, that jumped out to me. You know, and a few of the scrambles were in big moments mm-hmm. of the football game where they needed a little juice, a little jump start there. So that was cool to see, definitely. But I do think, again, Cleveland was missing some secondary people. Um, it would be a fun matchup this week coming in the game. I don't, I don't think – it's 24-9. to nine. Yeah. They had him in 4th and 11, and they threw a jump ball to Chase Claypool for a touchdown. Right. If, that, if he doesn't catch that ball, and let's say Denzel Ward's there next week covering mm-hmm. him because he wasn't there yesterday – you know, I don't know what happens, and that game could have been looked a lot differently. I give Pittsburgh and Mike Tomlin credit, but good for Cleveland. Amazing. I don't want to get too much away from what we're doing here on this Monday. Yeah. I was looking back at, at the biggest storylines from yesterday, and I know you're going to get into deep dives on Wednesday with the playoff previews, right. but just kicking the tires a little bit. One question yeah. about the, the, the game coming up this weekend in Pittsburgh. Sure. Let's say one of your Cleveland friends say, hey, Give me the, the biggest reason to believe it's going to be different than it was when it was 38-7. to seven. Right, sure. What's your response? My response is that that was still a Cleveland team that was in the in – the, uh, they were still finding themselves, in the process of finding and figuring out who they were. They were still a little stuck in the, whoa, we got Odell Beckham Jr. and Baker Mayfield and we want to spread and throw the ball because you can't match up with us. And they're not that way anymore. Right. Now they're like, hey, fuck you. We're going to run the ball. We're going to run bootlegs. And then if we got to, okay, we'll drop back and pass or put Baker in the shotgun, and he'll make some plays off of that too. But I think that's the big difference. They, after that Pittsburgh game, became a team that basically said, oh, you're loading the box to stop the run? doesn't matter. We're still going to run it, and we're going to dominate you in the run game that way. 
And I just think they've been a better team ever since that matchup the first time around. As long as we're talking AFC North, nice yeah. job of mentioning run game a couple of times. Let's yeah. get on to the Ravens. Right. They beat the Bengals Whoa. who looked like they didn't want to be there. 38-3. to How about 404 rushing yards? We could do this for 10 more years, and I might not get to say that again. It's like an, an easy 400. That's what's scary. Like an easy. Like, I, like where I'm watching the film back, and I'm sitting there because I watch some of these run plays just to go like, what did they exactly do to gash – the Cincinnati Bengals like this, to where, you know, they rip off so many 10 and 15 and 20-yard runs that the drive gets over and you go, oh, that was a pretty good drive. And then you go, man, I wonder what they rush for in that drive. And you go back and you tally it up and you're like, holy crap, okay, it was six rushes for 80 yards in that drive. It didn't seem like it, but it was. Like, it's just unbelievable. You know, those three guys right there, it is an amazing combination. J.K. Dobbins got a little power and game-breaking speed like we saw. Gus Edwards got a little game-breaking speed, but a lot of power. And then you got Lamar Jackson, who's got the quickest fucking feet you'll ever Mm. see, and is faster than both of them in the straightaway field. And, Paul, it got in, you know, two things I saw. First off, Lamar threw the ball pretty well. I think that's worth noting. Secondly, I saw some marrying of some of the run plays with play action, which I've been calling for a little bit from the Baltimore Ravens. But at the end of the day, the bread and butter for Baltimore right now that nobody seems to have an answer for the last few weeks is whether it's the double-pulling backside Mm. offensive lineman concept. And what they're doing off of that is – consistently gashing people right now. I mean, it really, I think there was only really one big run in the game, um, and that might have been J.K. Dobbins' 72-yard run that wasn't a pulling guard. It was kind of an inside zone type of play. But mm-hmm. all the other 10, 15, 20-yard runs were block down, block down, big guy coming around, another big guy coming around, and then there's either Lamar or the tailback tailback following them and what they always do and we've talked about this is they have a great change up and okay if you overplay that then somebody will keep it out the back door and they usually gash you with that and have the right feel of when teams are overplaying is anybody else in the league doing that in the run game they are they are it's it's definitely becoming more and more of a thing Mm -hmm. you know i've seen Taysom hill and the saints do it the eagles certainly had done it with jalen hurts the last few weeks I'm probably missing a few other teams that are doing that. But, it, but they're that not is the a, only ones. They are not the only ones, but they are the best at it. And uh, that, for the most part, is just what absolutely gashed Cincinnati. Things have changed. I don't want to say in a hurry because it's over the course of four or five weeks, but uh, things have changed Definitely. for Baltimore. They, they've lost three in a row. they lost four out of five. Now they have five wins in a row. Lamar's running a lot more than he was. He's throwing it a little bit better. Yeah. Let's compare how you feel about this Ravens team on a five-game win streak compared to the one last year that went to the postseason on a 12-game win streak? Yeah, I think, you know, last year, listen, they they were the undisputed heavyweight champs of the NFL, where you went into the playoffs and you just went, I just can't imagine anybody but Kansas City really giving them issues. Mm -hmm. You know, but we still had the questions of, man, it was easy for them last year. They really had no meaningful games in the month of December. Exactly. They sat out week 17 and then had the bye week and then played the playoff game and got punched in the mouth. And we're like, oh, no, it's a playoff game. You know, and, of course, coming off the year before where they lost the playoff game to the Chargers, I think the encouraging thing for them right now is it's been playoff mode for five weeks right. in a row. It's been – so whether you want to talk about, whoa, Lamar Jackson's never won a playoff game, yeah, okay, I get it. But these in, have been de facto playoff games here down the stretch. If they lost, they weren't going to get in. 
you know, or they had very little wiggle room. So they've had to approach it that way, and I think that will lessen the storyline of Lamar Jackson not winning a playoff game going into this game this week, and I wouldn't want to mess with them. Right. They're healthy on defense. They've gotten back totally 100% healthy. The O-line has got its, got its game going on. They are dominating. Mm-hmm. You know, the running backs, like we just talked about, they're unbelievable. And Lamar and the passing game, it, it's still not special or anything good. But like I've said for a number of weeks, they're trying to a little bit more of a concerted effort to tie the run game with the pass game. I think they're being trying to be a little more aggressive with throwing the ball down the field to a Miles Boykin right. or a Hollywood Brown. And I think that's encouraging. And Lamar just has a great feel, too, of, okay, drop back. All right, I'll sit here in the pocket and wait for somebody to come open. But he knows when to abandon ship. Okay, abandon ship. Nobody's open. Let me get the hell out of here and make yeah. a run. And uh, he, he's on fire right now. It kind of feels like the Ravens' offense and Lamar this year, they are right now more comfortable in their own skin than they have been sure. the entire year. Right. More comfortable with what makes them really, really good. And they were there all of last year. But it just feels like he's running uh, in a more free way. And the, the, the passing game, which, just like Seattle's defense, doesn't need to be an A no. in Baltimore. Right. If it's a C-plus with how well they're running it and how well the offensive line is playing, then they're a real problem. This it's good one. enough. Exactly right. That, that's really this. Because it, it always comes down to a good offense and you know, everything you're talking about, about defending the whole field. And that was probably the one aspect that was missing. You know, down the field throwing whether that's down the middle, you know, deep outs, things like that. But we're seeing more of that. And really, could have been more yesterday. He threw a nice post route to Hollywood Brown, who dropped it at one point right. down the field. He should have bigger stats. Um, but, you know, I, I don't care about the stats as far as the numbers, the amount of completions, it's all that. You know, to me, a little bit that, that gets, you know, lost is the effectiveness of the pass game. And Baltimore's pass game is effective enough and it makes enough plays to where, you know, you can't disregard it. you got to respect it yeah. because it will change field position. Or somebody will go down the middle of the field for a touchdown, and you'll be like, oh, right. well, there goes six because we overplayed the run. You said in two words what, what I tried to sum up in a few seconds. Yeah. Effective enough. Yes. And that's exactly what they right. need right now with how yeah. well they're running the ball. I, I, I do want to give a little more credit or point out to Lamar passing the ball or that passing game working better than it was yeah, a sure. few weeks ago. Let's take a look here. We, we've got a look at Lamar to, to Miles Boykin, 43-yard touchdown. Describe what we're seeing here. Well, Chris. yeah, it's, it's basically a double post concept. You got us on the right side, and let's rewind it and don't start it if you can. Just pause it at the start. At the right side there, he's just got a single cut with, with Hollywood Brown. So if he had, like, man-to-man coverage, he could just throw that out there and play one-to-one. But this play is specifically for this coverage. It's quarters coverage here. So – they're hoping that the inside slot receiver is going to take you know, the safety away, and then now that outside corner is going to be one-on-one with Miles Boykin. The other thing that's important here, check out, again, Paul, they got 42 Richard on the right there in the slot. He's going to come in motion, and they're going to fake it to make it look like their little inside zone cutback play, mm. which I like. So go ahead and play that, Pete, if you can. So there you go fake the inside zone. He looks down the middle of the field, which I believe was uh, Mark Andrews. He gets the safety and everybody to follow him a little bit, just enough to where he can then go, oh, I got Miles Boykin deep deep one-on-one against this corner here. And Von Bell by that time is two out of position and chasing. And this is really not Von Bell's fault. It's, It's really, it's the Perfect play versus the perfect coverage and a defense that's trying to play two deep safeties 
But cover four is also a little bit of a, hey, it's too deep, but we're going to let our safeties come downhill and be aggressive to stop the run, too. And they just got caught. Ravens win big 38-3. to They'll take on the Titans. We'll talk more about the Titans here in a little bit. That game coming up Sunday. It's the early game in Nashville. Moving on to Buffalo and their victory over the Dolphins. And it's, it's awesome the way Baltimore ran against Cincinnati. But Cincinnati played like they didn't, want, didn't really want to be there. Miami had the number one scoring defense in the league. They had to win to get in the playoffs, and Buffalo goes for 56 points. How'd that happen? I, uh, to me, it's one of the most impressive things on, on football yesterday. And it, to me, it's, it's going a little under the radar, like where I want to be like, wait, the number one scoring defense in football right. got quadrupled yesterday. I'd rate it number one as most I, impressive. I agree. Yeah. I, I mean, Pete will tell you, you know, one of the things I said on the text last night when we were figuring out, I said, I, well, we got to talk about the Bills' offense. That's yeah. got to be up there. Like, this, this defense, even though the Dolphins, they've let up yards in between the 30s, they don't let people score. And this, to me, is just where, hey, guys, the Bills are hot as, hot as hell. Yeah. There's just no other way to say it. They are almost at the unstoppable point on their offensive side of the ball. They really are. They, are, they have everything. They have a scheme that can deliver and then they have playmakers that can just make plays. And then they got a quarterback who can dissect you and make plays off schedule too, let alone enough of a running game. But that was shocking to me yesterday. Yeah. It really was. And especially the early turnover. He throws yeah. the interception. You go, oh, here we go. Yeah. They're going to kind of be, you know, relaxing because they're in mm-hmm. and they're going to let them hang around. And that wasn't the case. You right. know, he corrected himself. And, you know, Flores, I watched, of course, this back on film. Flores tried to change coverages. You know, you got to be careful, just like Kansas City. You can't play in the face, bump and run against Buffalo right. every play. Not with this cast of characters yeah. and this guy throwing the football. Forget about it. They'll make you look silly. So he tried to give some bastard looks of like, hey, we're man-to-man. We're in your face. Whoa, we drop into zone. And he tried to change coverages up. And it, it gave Buffalo some issues early because mm-hmm. there were some false keys. I think he thought like, oh, wait, the corners are over. There's three receivers over there playing man-to-man. Right. Flores is smart, and he knows Dayball, and Dayball's been in New England. Mm-hmm. So then he, they drop back in three deep, and he's like, oh, man, it's not man. We had a man-to-man play, and now they're playing zone. Right. Buffalo got back on track like they do a lot of the times, where they stop worrying about calling the perfect play to just absolutely annihilate defenses. They got into just like, let's get in some all-purpose plays. Let's get it out of his hand quick. Yeah. And then that'll make them start playing a little bit more normal defenses, yes. and then they take advantage it's of it. It's underrated for how much that helps a quarterback, even an MVP-caliber quarterback Definitely. like Josh Allen. Yeah. Doesn't have to worry about being in that perfect play. Right. Gains that confidence all week. Hey, this is going to work no matter what. Exactly Just right. Just run it. So after Josh Allen's yeah. pure talent and right. how hot he is right now, if you're going to rate something second as to why they went in the 50s against Miami, more all the talent they have out wide or more the day ball scheme yesterday? Ooh. Um, mm. It, that is a really cool – I mean, Dayball's scheme, to me, is one of the best in football. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of him, and we'll talk about him later on here on the show when we talk about some of the, the firings going on in the NFL where I'm going to inject his name once again, mm-hmm. especially to a place I like. It's, it's really, of course, the combination of both because sure. he knows how to use the weapons and everything like that. But I think, you know, the weaponry, of course – it accentuates the offense. Yeah. I mean, when you have John Brown and McKenzie and, of course, yeah, Mc- Stephon Diggs. McKenzie, it's not a, not a name that we've been throwing around know, a lot this year. I know. Because Three touchdowns. They, I, he, and he's, you know, another guy who got a rocket up his butt. Cole Beasley's hurt. 
Yeah. He can do a little bit of everything. He's kind of like their McCole Hardman, like the Kansas City, hey, speed, sweeps, punt, return. You know, we don't get you in to run all the routes on the route tree, but we have a few plays for you every game where, because you're dangerous. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just can't say enough about the Buffalo Bills, what they look like as a football team, mm-hmm. how they've transformed. They are definitely one of the two or three best teams in football going into the playoffs. Two or three, I mean. Maybe two. two, or two maybe one. Yeah. I don't know. You're right. Kansas I mean, City better, maybe. Maybe. I'd probably take Kansas City if they were going to play tomorrow and you made me bet on the game, right? Mm-hmm. I'd go, okay. I don't feel great about this, yeah. but I'm going to go. I bet with, you might pick Buffalo. If, you, if, if that was really happening, I get the feeling that Buffalo w- would be your heartfelt pick. Oh, it, Buffalo, Buffalo, with everything in my brain and my heart, tells me they're playing better football than Kansas City right yeah. now. But Kansas City has a, just they're an it Kansas factor. City. They're yeah. still Kansas City where I just go, you can never count them out. Right. Um, but th- just so impressive on both sides of the football. And – it's going to take a special defense to stop this Buffalo offense. And, and I have the question because yeah. they're playing against the Colts this weekend. At RV5618 says, have the Colts got any chance of stopping Allen, Diggs, and Dayball? I don't think so. I don't. You know, the, the, I'm down on the Colts defense over the last month or so. It's, it's shifted for the worse, hasn't it? It, it is. It's just, it's just a good defense. It's yeah. not a great defense. And... You know, they don't have great cover corners to play man-to-man, which I think will make them reluctant to blitz. And, you know, the one thing is Josh Allen, like Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and even Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, you know, they wear out defenses because of all their movement and the buying of time. And, I mean, how many times yesterday did Josh Allen sit in the pocket and, okay, Wait, oh, nothing's there. Okay, let me move and move. Mm-hmm. Hey, you go this way. Oh, wait, nothing's there. Okay, hey, go that way. Move, move, move. Oh, touchdown. Yeah. And just think about that as a pass rusher or a coverage guy. You're, you're running a wind sprint for 12 seconds. Like, that's not easy. Mm-hmm. You do that five or six or ten times a game, right. your ass is going to be dead in the fourth quarter. Right. You know, and that's where, that's where I've had a worries about the Colts. When their pass rush and things die out as the game goes along, man, their defense bleeds and – I don't know. We'll see. They're going to have to do something off the cuff or something to give them some score to schematical advantage because if they just play straight up, there's no way. Can you think of something that, that's worked against the Bills recently? Because they've won 9 out of 10 I since know. they lost to, I think it was Tennessee, Kansas City back-to-back weeks. Right. Well, then they lost the, the failed Murray, right? That, that's the last time they've lost. And they, they're averaging 47 yeah. points per game in their last three. So anything at all recently – that a team, Indianapolis, can latch onto and say, hey, this gave them a hard time. Maybe we go with more of this. No, I mean, I, honestly, out of I look through the winning streak, the team that played them the toughest, I thought, on the defensive side of the ball was mm-hmm. the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. And that was because, of course, they have a good front four. They, could all, they also would rush five just to take away Allen's ability, and they found some creative ways to rush five. Mm-hmm. And they can cover pretty well on the back end. It's, yeah. You're going to have to have a group that you can, you know, 20, 25 times a game going to go, I need you to play man-to-man because yeah. i got to take a chance here somewhere sure. to get Allen or make a negative play. And that worries you for the Colts? Well, it worries me because their, their cover corners are, are not those type of guys, and that, that does concern me. Can you think of a group in the NFL that was improved more through the draft? And I'm, I'm thinking using a first-round pick to get digs fourth-round pick to get Davis than, than what the Bills did with that group of pass catchers? No. I, I it's mean, really fun to watch. It is really fun. Everything they did, 
it ended up being what I thought they were early in the year. I, I, I went into the season going, the Bills won the offseason between yeah. the draft and free agency. And, of course, the year started out, and you went, whoa, the defense is not what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. But it ended up being what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. You know, And that's where i got to give Leslie Frazier and McDermott a lot of credit. What they did the Miami offense yesterday, hey, no chance. And, listen, I know this won't be the last time, but we're going to end up – Two is going to be a conversation going into the offseason. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. How, yeah. can, how can you feel real warm and cozy if you're a Dolphins fan or in the Dolphins organization about what you saw through two, from Tua this last half of the season? I don't think you can. No. And you know people on the inside feel the same way, and they played so well for most of this year with the exception of yesterday. That whole group will be there. The administration will be there. So the same group that brought him in and believed in him enough to take him that high – they're going to have to be the ones that evaluate, okay, what, how comfortable are we? How confident are we moving forward? Yeah, this? no, I know. I, I think it's some real questions there. You know, again, I root, the kid's a great kid. It's not personal. It, it's all about football here. We're talking business. But I just don't know what you can look at right now and just go, he doesn't pass the eye test. That's, mm-hmm. all, that's all I'm saying. As of right now, that could change. But I'm just saying – I said this on the show this morning. I'll say it one more time. He was not in the same stratosphere as Herbert or Burrow this year right. as a player on the football field, nor did he even come close to passing the look test that which they did either. Mm-hmm. So that's what's concerning to me. And, you know, how many – this is a handful of times in the second half of the year, too, where we get in a game where we just go, Tua, forget – like scoring a touch, they can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's going to be concerning when they evaluate to go, we have moments where we can't score points. We have to take him out of the game for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And they right. didn't have that luxury yesterday. And I think that, that made uh, it more apparent yesterday. Happened at Denver maybe? Denver, recently. right. Denver and the Raiders, we've had it. I'm just thinking of ways, that, ways to push back and play the other side. Because maybe there are people within the organization who still feel really, really good about him. I'm sure there sure. are fans out there as well. If you wanted to say... Hey, they were in this position in Miami to win on the last game in your end. So yes. he was a part of that. He took care of the ball pretty well. He definitely His did. His efficiency was pretty good. He can be developed. And it, and it is a small sample size. Exactly right. I'm not, I don't want to rush to judgment. I'm not. I'm just trying to be real with you about I think the, or, the, there's going to be those conversations that go on in the organization. And I think that stigma is going to be over his head this whole offseason until he kind of proves us wrong. But it's yeah. not the end of the line or anything like that. You know, yes, we're still in a developmental phase. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, the other thing, as great as it is from coming from Alabama, where you get taught and coached by like a pro yeah. and you know all those things, th- there is a problem sometimes from coming from Alabama too. Yeah. The game was so easy mm-hmm. that now you're like, wait, I'm not used to this. We usually just – it's 42 to nothing in the third right. quarter. I'm, and what, and, I have to make a tight yeah. throw in the fourth? And I what? just called their game this weekend and, and watched the guy who, who's filling in for him or took over for him, Mac Jones. And they're doing okay on offense. Yeah. 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 It was <laughs> yeah. a little bit of a hint last year when, when he came in and right. the offense did miss a beat. Right. But, He's, uh, he's really, really, really good. That offense is clicking along maybe even a little better than it did I know. I know last it is. year I know. with him. And I think it's tough, too, that this was his last game, and you have Josh Allen, who's also a young quarterback. Exactly. You look at that, and you're like, boy, is he, is he 10 starts away from looking that good? Right. Or as good as Joe Burrow looked this year, or Justin Herbert? Or Justin so, Herbert throwing lasers around yesterday, It doesn't too. just live in a bubble. I no, think all those comparisons are going to come in, too. No, I, I agreed. Agreed. So we'll see where that goes. Interesting storyline. The bottom line is... Buffalo's on fire. Yes. They're one of the best teams in football. And it is going to take a special defense 
in my opinion, to slow this group down right now, or a really special offense just to mm -hmm. go, okay, we'll get in the shootout, and we think we can do that. And I think there's only one in football that can do that right now. We talked a little bit about the ND defense. We'll hit their offense here in just a little bit. Time to take it up to 100, presented by Head and Shoulders. And actually, it's a little bit mis misleading because it's not just 100. It's 200 and also <laughs> 2,000 total. Derrick Henry, 34 carries, 250 rushing yards, a couple of touchdowns in the win at Houston. Uh, just you crazy. Know, yeah, crazy. I mean, hello, Hall of Fame. Yeah. Derrick Henry, we'll see you in, you know, 15 years. <laughs> okay, that's, that's a, it's like official, you know. And it's just now it's just like, hello, are we going to be one of the three greatest running backs of all time, the five greatest running backs of all time? It's, it's legendary status. In I mean, line with that first player to lead the NFL in rushing back-to-back -back seasons, LT did it back in 06 and 07. Ladanian, like this, right? Not only is it special to hit 2,000 yards, it's rare to do this back-to-back. -back. Not, not the 2,000 back-to-back, but to lead the league to Sure. I, I mean, listen, I don't know if Pete can look this up as we're talking here because I'm Johnny Historian, but Ladanian, yep. Emmett Smith, in yeah. the early 90s. Barry Sanders, maybe? Maybe. I yeah. think he might have had one later in his career. I think you're right, like 96, 97. He's, he's looking. Yeah. Right. I think Earl Campbell in the 70s. Mm -hmm. And Jim Brown. And that's all. It's like we're, it's a very short yeah. list in the history of football. Edger and James. James. Yeah. There's a good one. Okay. Ba Barry Sanders, 96, 96 97. 97. Barry Sanders, yeah. Emmett did it three years in a row. Okay. Wow. That's not shocking. Okay. And Eric, Eric Dickerson, Dickerson, Earl Campbell, right? OJ. Okay, mm -hmm. so there you go. So that's welcome to the Hall Incredible of Fame. Incredible company. Yeah, welcome to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, annihilation. You know, the, the thing I'm amazed by with them up front, it's never like, I'm never like, well, that was an interesting game design run play. <laughs> right. It's the same three run plays almost every time. Yeah. And it just doesn't matter. You know, first off, his vision is off the charts. When I watch a game back, I, the whole year, I could probably tell you like two or three plays where I go, why did he cut that way? He should have gone that way. Mm -hmm. But other than anything else, he makes cuts where I go, damn, how did he see that? Right. How did he make that cutback cut there? How did he go up into a mosh pit of people and have the feel of like, wait, they lost the edge on the right side. Let me bounce it out now mm -hmm. and run out there. That's where he has an incredible yeah. knack to me, let alone his physical ability. It doesn't look like he's going that fast on TV. That's my, my little boy last night. It was just like, Dad, how come nobody catch him? Right. And I go, because he's really fast. Yeah. I I'll still can remember sports science, mm -hmm. John Bumpus or Brinkus. Or, I can picture him. You know yeah, what I'm talking yeah. about, right? He still has all the records on there. Does he? Everything. Yeah. Power outfit, explosive, explosiveness, everything. John Brinkus. Brinkus. That yes. was it. John Thank Brinkus. You, yeah. yeah. Sorry, John Brinkus. I don't mean to disrespect, but um, it, it really is. It's, it's those type of runs. It's inside zone cutback. It's outside zone. It's a few, hey, uh, everybody block a man. I'm going to follow the fullback in the hole. And then they do the old, hey, just get body on body. And he runs up the middle, and if there's a little alley to run, he hits it. If mm -hmm. he feels like, oh, man, they've all mashed it inside, he just has a great ability to go, wait, oh, oh, let me put on the brakes, and then we go outside, and he outruns people that he shouldn't outrun to the edge. It's right. just it's, it's amazing that way. And it's hard not to bring this up because it's so central to what the, what the Ravens have to be thinking about right now, playing against Tennessee. 30 for 195 in the playoffs last year. And this season, late November – 
he went for 133. Yeah. So we can praise him up and down for what he did this season. And yesterday, he deserves it. But at some point, you got to get right to, is it going to be more the same this weekend? It's, it's, it's really one of the ba- worst matchups for Baltimore. Right? It really is. Because now Baltimore has to – Baltimore's run defense is not as good as I think they've wanted it to be in years mm. past. They did a pretty good job the first time around. Yeah. Let's not forget that game went into overtime, and Henry had a long run there that got him over 100 in overtime. But regardless – you still got to worry about stopping Henry, and now you're leaving yourself on an island with A.J. Brown and Corey Davis, which is scary. Right, and right. they're good at taking shots, this team. Yeah. So that's where it's going to be interesting to watch as we go along. Plus, here's the other thing with Tennessee, and this just tells you where they're a little different from last year to this year, Paul. It's 31-28. to 28. Yeah. It's 4th and 11 on the 38-yard line. Yeah. They go for it, up by 3. That just tells you how bad Mike Vrabel thinks his defense is, mm. that he just going – Deshaun Watson's going to score. Yeah. So we might as well just try to score. Yeah. And not waste too much time because if they get the ball back, okay, great. They'll go down and score, and then we can get it back and have time. Right. I mean, that's, that's where it's got. Their defense is so freaking bad right now. It is unbelievable. But their offense, as we know, is special. You bring up Deshaun Watson. Let's have a little mini yeah. after the real damn okay about Deshaun. B. Will, 1990, says, damn okay, Deshaun Watson, yeah. with all the issues he endured this year. Still led the league in passing yards. I mean, worth the price of admission. Worth the price for of a admission. Bad team, right? Definitely. One of the five or six best quarterbacks in football. No doubt. I don't give a shit if they went 0 for 16 this year. He kept them in every football game. And just like yesterday, he does everything possible to win the game. He yeah. just he can't cover and block people and, you know, snap the ball and do all he can't do everything. Yeah. He's phenomenal. I've loved that he's had this year in a lot of ways because it's undeniable how good he is, mm-hmm. and it's given me the jump-off point in a few radio conversations to go, see, it's not all about the quarterback. Right. You've got to have a team. Yeah. Everyone watches this guy and goes, he's one of the five best. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean your team goes 12-4. and You've right. got to help him out a little. Um, I mean – Literally, the last three weeks has just been like, okay, when's Watson going to throw to Brandon Cooks? When's Watson going to throw to Brandon Cooks? Oh, they know he's going to throw to him. He's still going to hit him. He's amazing. He's amazing. I love watching him play. We'll talk more about some of the coaches that were let go today. But since we're talking about Houston, because of Deshaun Watson, do you think that is the most attractive job? I think that and the Chargers one are right up there with it. I think the, the... they're both extremely attractive at the quarterback. Deshaun may be a hair more attractive than Herbert right now just because he's proven. Yep. But the Chargers do have less holes to fill Correct. than the Houston Texans. So yep. that's where it's close. But I think clearly those are the two top spots right now for sure. All right. Uh, and again, more on the coaches and the openings coming up here in a yeah. little bit. That was Take It Up to 100 presented by Head & Shoulders available at Walmart. We have another sound full preview here. This is Victory Lap. I didn't know we had sound for Victory Lap. Is this new? I don't know. I can't remember anymore. All right, Pete, hit it. Oh, I do remember. Oh, yes, we do. Victory. Victory. Very NFL film. (laughs) It is. Like, Victory is ours. All right. Rookies edition. Pete's leading us down the rookie path. Okay. Colts 28, Jags 14. So Indianapolis is in. We talked about the game against Buffalo a little bit. But the rookie hook here, obviously, Jonathan Taylor, 30 carries for 253. My man. Right there with Derrick Henry. Yeah, I mean, he's got some special traits. You know, again, he's on fire here as of late. Um, They're playing certain points of games here, the right style of football. 
They need to run the football. We've talked about this a lot. He's a special game-breaking runner. He was great yesterday. They had some cool game design runs. But, again, you see the power combination, speed combination this kid has. I mean, he, he can fly. You know, there's, there's a, there's, you know, that's why he ran 4-3-9. But, you know, just, yes, a specimen. But I think the biggest thing that jumps off, jumps off to me, again, for maybe like the third, fourth week in a row, where I just go, when the Colts play through the run and play through Jonathan Taylor, they're a much more dangerous team than we play with, oh, Phillip Rivers patting the ball in the pocket, just we're waiting for a disaster to happen. Mm. That is the biggest thing. they got to continue to play this way. We've talked about their defense not yeah. being as dominant. The running game will help them out, and it's going to help Phillip Rivers out. Listen, you can't ask Phillip Rivers to drop back and throw the ball 40 times and have him sit in the pocket and do things. It, it's just going to lead to bad things. I'm sorry. I, you know, he has his limitations at this point of his career. There's still a lot of good, and they can win with him. But what we've seen throughout the year is when you have to rely on him and just him, it can be dicey. Yeah. And that's where it gets scary. And that's where they hit a lull in the football game. Right. They hit a little lull at, at every point of the game here recently where I just think they get a little too cute and a little too pass-happy. Yeah. Where I just don't go, I want to go, wait, we've been running the ball, and now we came out and we've thrown the ball three straight plays, or we ran the ball once for a first down, and now we r- throw the ball four straight plays after that, or whatever, and you just right. go, I, I don't get that. And Pete just told me, yeah. say that one more time, Pete, about what, what uh, Jonathan Taylor's done. Last seven games, only Derrick Henry has more rushing yards Okay, than Jonathan Taylor. And I think back to when Phillip Rivers has been at his best. I thought about how you, you kind of described it and how yeah. they need to do have more Jonathan Taylor to make him better. Remember that big win against the Packers? I mean, that was probably sure. maybe their signature win. I think so. Along with beating Tennessee. Right. He had 22 carries in that win against the Packers. And yes. thinking back on it, it just felt like the right mix to make what's really good about Phillip still even better. Yeah, it, it, it helps Phillip in the fact that it delivers him some easier completions because you mm-hmm. got to play different on defense it opens up the play action pass game again where he can just pl- play action boom read it throw it you know it, it leads to easy short completions when they do that you know that's the one of the things i wrote i just wrote like with the colts it should be simple run the ball play action pass quick throws when that's when they're at their best that's when rivers is at his best when he starts patting the ball in the pocket mm. trouble's coming it's coming mm-hmm. and you know, and again, his arm in those situations is not going to make big throws. Just like yesterday, it's 20 to 14, and you go, okay, here they go. They're going to mount a drive. He's got a post route to T.Y. Hilton. He's wide open. It's a touchdown. It's just the ball hangs in the air forever. Mm. The backside corner comes from way far away yeah. to intercept it. Because the ball hangs in the air, it's probably it was probably about two or three yards shorter than yeah. where you'd like it to be, and that's where I think it just gets a little scary to me. And this is where, like to your point, they're in a little win streak right now, and they play better when they play through the run. They've won four of the last five, even though it feels to me like in the AFC they're the team being talked about the least by far. Yes, you look at the other teams that are in from the AFC, storylines everywhere, and you get to Indy. And people just, there's just not a lot of buzz about it. No, I I agreed. I think the big thing is, you know, there's not one 
dominant area of their football team anymore mm-hmm. that excites everybody. Yeah. So I, you you know that the, to me where I thought maybe the defense was that like week eight or nine. Right. It was that kind of fizzled yeah. away, and now you go okay. So what is there's a lot of good on the team, but is there anything great? And then you know you blow a lead to Pittsburgh who is struggling. And you get blown out at home against the Tennessee Titans, and that'll lead people to go, eh, you're good, but we and, don't think you're that good. And you have to play at Buffalo. And you got to play the hottest Probably team the hottest in football team right now. Right. Okay. Rookie's edition They continues. better run the ball, though. Right. This week especially. Right. The guy's hot. And yeah. yeah, they're hot. And they have... You keep it away from Josh Allen. Right. They, they got a really good interior offensive line. You know, yeah. I know they're missing Costanzo, but everything else is the same. And they're damn good. They need to play. That's their bread and butter. Sorry. Justin Jefferson. No, it's okay. We transition here to the NFC North. Vikings beat the Lions 37-35. Another big game for Jefferson out of LSU. Nine for 133. I, I, I just... Almost... Ex- I don't want to say expected, but I mean, we've seen this before. It's, it's almost is expected. Yeah. I mean, it's almost... I feel like every week it's around this number in the stat line. You know? And it, it's never like just a bunch of chump catches or bullcrap catches. Right. It's, it's everything down the field. You know, route running, contested catches... I can't sit here and lie to you and tell you that I watched a lot of this football game yesterday. I mean, sorry, Minnesota and Detroit. There was no meaning. Um, and I had other games that were more important to watch. I had better things to do. I had better <laughs> things to do. But I will say I give a lot of credit. Zimmer, Kirk Cousins, that offense had a pretty special year. I think it ended up as a top five offense in football. Jefferson's second most yards all time for a rookie. I mean, wow. that's insane. Receiving yards. Receiving yeah. yards. Yeah. I mean, and he's got it all. He's got it all. They found themselves a superstar there that they can build around in the past game. Pete, that was behind who one more time? Bill Groman. Wow. 1960 Good Oilers. old Bill Groman. I'm a, I'm a history buff, but I don't know I that remember. one. Sorry. The Oilers were in those silver helmets with the <laughs> they, old logo They did, on it. right, right. Way, way back when. Okay, way to finally. go, Justin Jefferson. Another Justin. Justin Herbert, 302, three touchdowns, no picks. Uh, exactly what we've seen pretty much all season from him. It's, it is. Uh, you know, I, I, again, same kind of thing here. I, I'm not going to sit here and lie to the Chargers nation and tell you I was glued to the TV, all right? But they did beat the Chiefs by 17. They did beat the Chiefs by 17. A compromised Chiefs team. Well, and every time I turned around, it was just, you know, another perfect throw by Justin Herbert that right. was flying through the air. I mean, that, that's all I can really say. The guy never loses control of the football. He can throw the ball with power through coverages where defenders are like, well, he's not going to make this throw. or He can't get this in there. Whoa, he got it in there. He can throw over the defense. And listen, that's a rare thing. This is something like my dad talks about a lot. This is really his thing. Where he, he can throw, he's so big, mm-hmm. he throws over the D-line. So there again, where we go, you know, size is overrated and all that. Okay, yeah, it can be overrated, but there is a skill to it that's a, that's a, a precious skill. And he can have, like yesterday, there's a few times, he's got people all up in his chest and stuff, and he can just, he can raise his arm up and still go, huh, and throw the ball 15 yards, and you just go, mm-hmm. man. Like, I know that doesn't look sexy to everybody, but me as Johnny Quarterback, I Love go, it, right? that's, like, not that easy. Right. And the smaller quarterback wouldn't have been able to do that. And I'm not trying to disrespect the smaller quarterback. It's just sure. this is one of his attributes. There's um, quarterbacks who are six feet-ish. You know, right. Drew, Russell Wilson. Right. They can find lanes. Find lanes. But they can't do they what can't Herbert do does. They can't do that. Throwing over the defensive throwing line. Throwing over like the defense. It's a good People way to put it. all around them. Right. Right. I mean, you know. 
you know, Brady, Brady can do that. Can do and that Brady too. was phenomenal in his prime because he'd hang in there and take the shot, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, it's kind of a, a rare thing in this day and age in the NFL because of like what you said. Even the bigger quarterbacks this day and age look for lanes. That's they don't look to doing. throw over the top as much as they used to. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car... Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Thinking about Justin Herbert, that brings us to the unfortunate part, Black Monday. Not a lot of surprises here. We kind of yeah. knew what was coming with the coaches being fired. Anthony Lynn of the Chargers, he's out. Doug Marone with the Jaguars is out. And Adam Gase fired by the Jets as well. So Chargers, Jaguars, Jets. Quarterback issues with all of them except for the Chargers. They have Justin Herbert. But if you take the Jaguars' job, you got the number one pick. You can get Trevor Lawrence if you would like. The Jets have the number two pick. Which of those three jobs would you like to have the most? I want the Chargers' job. I, I mean, you know, again, I, Trevor Lawrence, I'm a huge fan. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to sit here and tell you right now that I think he's definitely going to be better than Justin Herbert. I don't know that. I, they're, they're very similar people. Mm -hmm. You know, and head start on one of the questions I'm getting at you as soon as the Super Bowl is over. You have Herbert's and Burrow and Lawrence in the same class. How right. do you rank them? I know. You can just think about it now. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, need to, I want to evaluate. But you're right. I'm sure I will. But Because it know, might be third. Well, because it might be. I mean, there's no joke. I don't know where that goes. It's yeah. going to be interesting. Trevor Lawrence is awesome. We know that. Is it a little blown out of proportion? Yes, because he's Clemson. He's in the national finals or semifinals every year, and I get all that. Listen, if Justin Herbert played on Clemson the last few years, the results would have been the same. Mm -hmm. I don't, don't, don't think differently there. So, you know, I'm mo I would be most excited to get that job. Yeah. Plus, you got some defensive pieces in place. Yep. You know, there's a few receivers that you can, of course, Keenan Allen, yeah. and figure out what you want to do with Mike Williams, and you can play with that aspect. You know, so I think there's a lot of positives there. But we know what Herbert is already. And I think Trevor Lawrence will be a superstar. I think he's very similar mm -hmm. to Herbert. I would go... I think Herbert's a hair better thrower than Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence is a better athlete than Justin Herbert. That's how I kind of view it. And not to say either one is too far behind in either category there. Right. Um, but Herbert is so special that I sit here and go, Chargers, mm -hmm. start the arms race. Yeah. Go all in on offense in L.A., and steal the show and get signed receivers and go Kansas City in the division on Kansas City. And go get who is your head coach. And I want to say, get Brian Dayball. 
Listen, I love Eric Bieniemy. Mm-hmm. I love him, and he has to be a head coach this year. I'm not a fan of let's take a coach from one of our rivals and now bring him into our division. Like, tell me when in the history that's really worked. We're going to copy the team in our division, mm-hmm. and now we're going to one-up them with, their, with, the, with one of the guys that learned from the guy over there? I don't see that. I don't but know. But you also have all that knowledge that he has of the Great. team you're chasing. I'm going to go with the teacher to win those matchups, though, more times than not. Yeah. The teacher taught the, the pupil, mm-hmm. and he's, I, I just trust that more. I wouldn't right. mess with that. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's my Bill Parcells to, to – uh, you know, uh, Hanley. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the hell is Ray Hanley? Yeah. Where he just, I want to go. It, it, Ask your dad about that. Yeah, right. It's not the greatest. I just, yeah. I, I don't like that in-division thing. Mm-hmm. To me, I would go Dayball, Chargers. Now we have a different offense. Andy Reid doesn't know our offense and doesn't know what to Good expect. Point. And we yeah. have our own style and things like that. And he seems to be more attached to Josh's development than Mahomes' development giving credit to, to the enemy, whether it's right or it's wrong. Yeah, right? I, I think you're right. I think you are right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, you're talking about uh, with uh, – with I'm B- talking about Dable. Yes. D- his, his star has Agreed. become brighter Agreed. as Josh has gotten better. You're right. Maybe more so than the enemies because Andy Reid gets Andy so Reed much credit Andy Reid got the B enemy. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Was Dable in, in New England when you were there? He was there with me just, to, just towards the end. Okay, right? so like best thing about him besides the incredible – way Buffalo's offense is playing. Yeah, no, I think he's like, he is just, I think the best way I would, he's just a man's man, a normal guy. There was never pettiness or politics when I was in a room with him, Mm. which I always appreciate. Listen, there was coaches up in New England who they wouldn't talk to me, they didn't like me. Mm -hmm. Then I said I was leaving and they were like, oh man, it was great working with you. We had such, I wish we could have spent more time. And I'm like, no, you were competing and jealous of me and you treated me like an asshole. Mm -hmm. Dayball was always great. Like always, the same guy, not threatened, comfortable in his own skin, mm-hmm. trying to learn ball, and yeah. easy to talk to. Right. And I think that's why you see Stefan Diggs has, has a change in his career. Yeah. Josh Allen, and you're talking about his development. Yeah, that's directly with Dayball. Right. He's taught them football, offense, how to act on and off the field, and how to just man up. Like, we played like shit. Sorry, we'll be back next week. Right. And not make excuses. That's what I love about Dayball. If I'm the Chargers, I'm going all Dayball. So a few years ago, I was doing the preseason games with Trent right. Green for the Chiefs, and Brian was there. I think, he, I think he was the offensive coordinator. If he wasn't, he was working somewhere high with the offense. Right. But I went to Kansas City to spend a day there to get to know the team, and it was that day in June, the last day of minicamp before the coaches get four or five weeks off. They get time with their family, and they were all packing up, going somewhere. They were out there. They're in a rush. They right. Brian knew that I wanted to sit down with him and re- really kind of talk personnel, what he was going to do scheme-wise, because it would really help me. What does he care? But it would help me with the preseason games. He stayed later than all the other coaches to spend an hour and a half with me, yeah. running through shot. personnel, right? running through, here's what we're going to be looking for in the preseason. So like you say, he's a man's man. Guys will like him. Right. My two hours with him lines right up with that's that. what i mean it's just you know the respect for human beings that comes off you see that right he's earned his way yes it's the new england offense but he's got his own style and 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 you know just his own spin on what he's done with it his time in college at alabama all of those things he's that's taken right. away yeah. a little bit of everything mm-hmm. to where yeah it's the new england offense but it's got more to offer that way and he's on fire as a play caller I love Eric Bieniemy. Like I said, if I'm the sure. Houston Texans, I'm going Eric Bieniemy. Yeah. That's where I'd want it's fun him. Fun to think about him with Deshaun. That would be amazing, yeah. right? I'm just not a big fan. And 
let's steal a coach from within our division and think that we're going to be better than the team that was in our division that Mm -hmm. we're stealing this guy from and they were already the Kings. I don't know if that works. All right, let's get to Give Me the Headlines presented by Hyundai. We have a theme for everything here, Chris. This is the NFC East edition of Give Me the Headlines. Let's start with the Giants beating the Cowboys 23-19. to Big and blue. Damn. Right? Oh, Very well done. man. Yeah. Big and blue. That's I get what it. we are. Damn it. Big blue was big. The nonverbals are good and there blue. and telling that. Damn. Damn. Almost. It almost. was almost an awesome Sunday. Almost. Guys, it really right? was. It was fun to watch at 1 o'clock. It really was. I enjoyed it. It was great to root for the Giants in a meaningful game like that. Yeah. Especially against the Cowboys, all of that. Yeah. Really really were the better team on the field throughout yesterday. It was giant mistakes that let the Cowboys hang around. I mean, Daniel Jones and Gallman mess up a a handoff. Yeah. You know, Evan Ingram has a ball that goes right between his hands. It's going to hit him in the face. Interception. You know, but again, Giants, I know it's 6-10 and and it's nothing to, like, write home about. But – I'm excited about the direction the Giants End are going End of the season in. was much better than the beginning of middle. I, that's something to, to feel good I think about. so, yeah. definitely. And Daniel Jones made some big plays mm-hmm. yesterday playing through, you know, hurt, you know, made some big throws to Slayton and, and uh, Dante Pettis. But the story of the day was the defense and a little bit of what we talked about. The defensive line. Leonard yeah. Williams. Defense, Leonard Williams, three sacks. They're going to have to show him the money mm. for sure. And – Again, this is why, like, lately, like, I, I really think football is going this way with the Giants and their defensive approach. It's for game, games like yesterday. It's going to show true. I think size is about to become more of a factor in the NFL once again. We're seeing the ground and pound approach on the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And when you have some of these high-octane offenses like the Cowboys yesterday, that's why I took the Giants to win the game. I just thought they're big dudes up front. Again, they're 300 across. It's it's. It's 305, it's 340, it's 315, and then it's 305 again across the board. I, I thought maybe they could handle the run game by themselves, mm. and then they could play too deep and stop the pass game and all those Cowboys receivers. And they were really the star of the day because Zeke never got going. Right. They continued to be able to play coverage and not worry about getting on an island against those wide receivers. And you know, it, it, that D-line really helped them win the football game. I know what the topic is going to be coming out of Philly here. Washington beats the Eagles 20-14. to 14. I'm curious what your, what your specific headline is going to be as it relates to, to the uh, number one topic there. Tanks for the memories. No H. Nope. Just, just tanks. <laughs> tanks for the memories because that was the first time we have gotten to witness a real live Right. National tanking in the NFL. And then that as my reaction to like right. we don't see many firsts. But that was the first time you're watching, you're like, oh my gosh, like this is actually happening. It's happening. This is what we're watching. Yeah. And then it's then it becomes what was it for? Was it for just for the draft picks? Is there something in the quarterback dynamic there with Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz that came into play? Was it the head coach? Was it the front office? Does somebody in the front office hate the Giants that much? Like what do you think? Yeah, I don't think it's that. I mean, I'm sure they hate the Giants. So the, the, the Giants thing is off the table. I don't think that I'd okay. that. That, to me, would be a little petty. Like to, I agree. But I know, it, but it you never know. from on high. You're right. Okay. The NFL, let's remove that. There's plenty of petty people so then in the we, NFL. It, yes. Yeah. So, so let's remove that. We right. have the, the, the allure of the draft picks right. moving from nine to six. We have, and I don't think this is being talked about quite as much, we don't know what's going on with Carson Wentz and who supports him and who doesn't. Jalen Hurts, who supports him, who doesn't. Maybe there was something 
they're playing a big factor too. Well, okay. First, I think the last two things I think are, are true. That's kind of what I hit on a little bit this morning with Florio. Like, first off, hey, Trey, I mean, first round picks, top 10 picks, they have value. I mean, they're, they're real assets. And every pick that goes up has a little bit more value as far as the assets that would be needed to get to that spot. It's an easier way to go from nine to six than it would be to give up a bunch of draft picks and players. Well, definitely. I mean, in a lot of ways. So here's the, here's the dilemma. And this is the, really the big conversation. You know, a lot of teams don't want to do those type of games because they don't want to start to infuse the we're losing. Right. They, they don't want to have that. You know, the coach is always banging the drum. We play every game. We compete and do all those things. And when you deliberately lose a game, guys walk away and go, wait, coach said we were going to do this, this, and this all week. Did he fucking lie to my face? Yeah, right. So you're going to have those questions. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why a lot of like, you know, yeah, you wouldn't see a lot of big-time coaches do that because I think they're afraid of that creeping into the building and, you know, maybe my message gets lost and all of those type of things. I think that's that fear. Now, Doug Peterson I don't think he fears it as much because, one, I think he's an amazing communicator. Mm-hmm. He's got a great feel for the locker room and guys and things like that. To maybe that emboldens them a little bit. And, you know, the, really the reality, too, is, you know, I mean, three, three picks is a big deal. It's a big deal. Yes, I mean, it it's is. a big deal. What if, what if next year in the draft, you know, we get into it, we're getting in the evaluations. Mm-hmm. And let's just say the Eagles need a big-time defensive end, right? And you're sitting here, and we're doing the draft, and I'm going, man, this defensive end is – he's like Chase Young. People are sleeping on him. Mm -hmm. So he's definitely going to the top five or seven in the draft. It's going somewhere in there. Right. I mean, what if Philadelphia is sitting there going, man, we need a defensive end so badly, which they they do, actually. Yeah. So that's why I'm throwing it out there. And now you go, oh, he went – at number seven, and we're number nine. Right. Why? To win the fucking Washington game week 17? Yeah, right. Is that yeah. worth it? Yeah. So they're playing the long play. I'm not mad at Philadelphia for what they did. They got to do what's best for them. I think people are just shocked that it, they actually saw it. It's I mean, because it's the first time in NFL history we're right. seeing it. It was in a national televised game. Right. And it was a game that meant something for multiple teams. Right. So it was like, whoa, I can't believe it. And it pissed me off sitting there as a viewer. My yeah. little boy, Philip. He fucking Upset. flipped. Yeah. You know, he's rooting for the Giants. Yeah. Oh, fucking What Eagles. was your explanation in the moment about it? Um, when he looked at Dad and said, what the hell's going on? I told him about the draft picks first. Mm-hmm. I didn't even get into the Jalen Hurts thing because I think first off, now to go to that, I yeah. just told him about the draft picks. I just said that they don't care. I said, I think they want to have a higher draft pick. That's what they're worried about. Yeah. No, I do think the quarterback thing had something to do with this. No doubt. I need some details on the quarterback thing. Well, the quarterback thing between Carson Wentz and yep. Jalen Hurts, and they're going into having the most interesting offseason maybe in football because of this conversation. Right. And I think they knew that if they won with Jalen Hurts, and Jalen Hurts wins that game and pulls it out and has another pretty impressive game, which it looked like he was on that way, yeah. that they were going to be back to him in a corner where, no, Jalen Hurts is going to be your starting quarterback. The Philadelphia fans are not going to take it. And I think they still want to salvage something with Carson Wentz. Do you think, you think Carson wants to? No, and he shouldn't. Bye. See ya. And so shouldn't the organization know that too? I mean, well, he, I'm he doesn't sure, want to come back. I'm sure they know a little. They're scared right now. They saw the report that, what, was a Mort yesterday, Chris Mortensen? He talked about Wentz and, you know, wanting out of town. I think he made a quote that the fracture, fracture relationship between Wentz and Peterson. Mm-hmm. Listen, Wentz has to get out. 
sorry. Right. I don't know what other way to say it. If I was advising Carson Wentz, I'd tell him to get out. He's in a no-win situation. Like, there, there's, there's nothing between the foals, this right here. This is going to continue to linger into the offseason. If he does come back and is the starter, the soon as he throws an incompletion, everyone's going to want Jalen Hurts back in there. Mm-hmm. It's just a marriage that's not going to work. Right. And if I'm him, this was the last straw. You got Jalen Hurts or whatever you want to do. Just I'm, I've had enough. Get me out of here. So and he needs a fresh start. You think draft picks moving from 9 to 6 and also grasping at a last straw. We don't want this kid coming back and leading us to a win in the last game because we still want to bring back Carson Wentz? These are, Carson Wentz is their guy. I mean, Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson made trades to get the number two pick, yeah. and they've given him a ton of money. So but they the, want that to work. But they've also seen him have more turnovers than any quarterback in the league. Oh, well, I know. I know. Well, I'm sure, listen, it wasn't a good year, yeah. you know, but just as we've said, it was a shitty team, too, around him in a lot of ways. They've also seen him play at an MVP level and right. carry the team last year with right. a shitty team. So we have two. I know, right? Yeah. So that's where you know I, I don't think their belief. I believe the reports when I say I hear like, oh, they just think it was a blip year, like a bad year, a blip on the radar. Yeah, and he's gonna bounce back. But I just think there's too much damage has been done. Right. And I, I don't know. I think it's too much for Carson. Uh, and if I were him, I'd want out of there mm-hmm. and a fresh start and just not have to deal with you know the controversy and the noise anymore. Controversy, man, all caps. Yeah. And, uh, coming out of Philadelphia no after doubt. that one. All right, damn okay, NFC playoff edition. So we have hit the AFC. Do, do we get to listen twice to the damn okay? Oh, let's not. <laughs> let's not, okay? <laughs> all right, okay. thank you. That's, uh, that, that's two votes against it. Tom Brady. Yeah. Buccaneers beat the Falcons 44-27. to Boy, a month ago, we're wondering if this team is going to even come close to the playoffs. And now, I mean, who's better in the NFC? Green Bay? I mean, that's it. I mean, maybe. That's it. That's like a maybe. I don't even know. I mean, yeah, okay, I'd probably take Green Bay today if yeah. they had a, you know, if you made me bet on who comes out. But but I think the Buccaneers are in the conversation for one of the best teams in football. And the damn okay is specifically to Tom Brady. I mean, because damn. I mean, holy crap. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's amazing. You know, the comfort, the way the offense looks. I, I can really sit here and go, I, I, I mean, I don't know. Other than Buffalo. I think this might be the most explosive offense in football the last four or five weeks. Wow. And I know Kansas City's right there in that conversation, too. Right. But, I mean, it's, it's every game, every quarter right now where you're just going, Brady bombed to Gronk, Brady bombed to Evans, it's Brady bombed to A. Brown. midfield to downfield. Right. Since the bye week in early December, they've won four in a row. Remember how bad they were before the bye yes. week? They lost three out of four. The 38-3 debacle against New Orleans was in there. Right. But in this four-game win streak, Chris, they've gone 26 31, 47, and 44 points. Yeah. Their offenses, they got it. It's, it's one of the best offenses in football. They have figured out how to play with him. He's comfortable. They're protecting him unbelievable. He's throwing the ball as well as he's ever had in his life. And the, this, the crazy thing is, like, he has that scramble to the right throw yeah. to Antonio Brown. Right. Where I don't think he was throwing to Antonio Brown. So <laughs> he's throwing to Scotty Miller in the back of the end zone, right. who's also going to catch it. So it wasn't right. like it was a bad throw. He I had think, him. I think we have that. We to, got that play. Uh, okay. About, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so, all right, here we go. So, here we go. You, you, you'll see Brady, first off, scrambles out to the right. All right. You see Scotty Miller in the back of the end zone. He is throwing to him. But Antonio Brown, who's running the, the first of the two posts there, he kind of is in the area and sees the ball, and he just goes, attacks it, and gets it. I think the most impressive thing, though, is Brady runs better now than he did in 2013. 
Uh, that, he's that's moving what, around in a, in a different way this past month. He's not like a gangly deer anymore. Yeah. Like he's actually got coordination and a little bit of explosive nature in his movements. At 43, that's supposed to go the other I way. I know. It's amazing. It's amazing what he's doing, the level he's playing. They're dangerous as hell. I don't worry about their offense one bit. Mm. I do worry about their defense. Which I part of it? I, I mean, all of it. I just think there's it, it, moving the ball has just been too easy. They can't rush the passer quite the way I thought. You know, they have moments of their secondary making plays, but, man, they have moments, too, where they get diced up and everything there, too. So it is going to be about Brady and that offense winning games for them and continuing to put pressure on, on the opposing teams. They got some pretty good news about Mike Evans today. Remember, you dropped that touchdown looked like, ooh. Yes. You fear the worst about that knee. No ligament damage, so they're hopeful that he can play this weekend, too. They need him. I mean, we, we know that. He's a special football player. He's a red zone nightmare. Mm. He's a game plan changer nightmare for the opposing defense. How about this? And first player to hit 1,000 yeah. yards in seven consecutive seasons. Yeah. For uh, well, each of his first seven seasons. That's amazing. I know. He's oh. one of the most underrated great quarterbacks, of, I mean, great wide receivers of our era. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's just 6'5", 225, ran four three seven. You know, been down on a team that hasn't got a lot of national attention. Right. But has been one of the five best receivers in football probably for the last four years and is continuing that. So it's Buccaneers and the Washington football team on NBC Saturday night whoop, whoop. at 815. Should be a good one. I should know you'll be, be here one. watching all of it. Yep. Jalen Ramsey also showing up on the N- NFC. Damn okay. Rams knock off the Cardinals 18-7, to and he was up against DeAndre Hopkins a lot. Best corner in football in 2020 was D- Jalen Ramsey for me. I know Xavier Howard had the interceptions and all of those things. We have uh, the route tree here. Take a peek. There. Yeah, let's, let's check it out. Well, first off, I mean, that, that's one thing that's concerning. Again, as we talk about Arizona, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's limited. I mean, does, does he go to the other side of the field ever? I mean, that, that's just, that just shows like you. Yeah. That, Arizona's offense has to grow, okay? All right, and then... This guy's a freak. I mean, I don't know. It's just, oh, okay, hey, cover DeAndre Hopkins, cover DK Metcalf, shut them down. It's okay, no big deal. They're just two of the freakier guys on the planet. Oh, okay. Nope. Jalen Ramsey got it all. He's got the physicality at the line of scrimmage, the straight-ahead speed to where he doesn't have to overrun to keep up with those guys because when he does put on the brakes, he can do that. He's a phenomenal tackler. He brings attitude to their defense, you know, which I love. Uh, he, he's one of the best players in the game. They're, they're getting their return on their investment there for sure. Shadowed Hopkins on 21 of the 28 routes, and he had two catches for 28 yards, seven targets in that time. Big time. Mm. Big time. I mean, you know, they, they, they quite arguably have the best defense alignment and the best secondary player in football in the same damn team. Right. Yeah. Any quarterback comments you want to make about either one of the teams there? Well, you know, it was Strugglesville there early on. Yeah. I mean, it was. Um, you know, Strevler. Good athlete. I see the talent. He's got mm-hmm. a little pop in his arm. Man, that interception pick six was huge. Wow. That was the backbreaker. They were kind of in control of the game, and, and you felt like, okay, this is going to go down to the end, or they have a little momentum, and let's see how this goes. They're in field goal range. A little blitz off the edge, and I just don't know what he was thinking or throwing there to the right. It was so bad, it was hard to tell. It was. It's hard to tell. Yeah. It's like, did the receiver run the wrong route? Did he just have a brain fart, and do, or did he just panic? I don't know. But that was the game-changing moment. Wolford, I'll say, after the pick, the pick on the first pass play, you know, did some good things. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm blown away by what he did, 
but he showed he can execute the offense. He showed he's a pretty good athlete. Really, his running was the biggest thing he did in the game, moving the chains, helping them do some things like that. And, you know, after that, you know, first interception, he took care of the ball and, and threw some good balls here and there. So not pretty, but the Rams are a run in a defensive football team. Mm-hmm. And if they got to play with Wolford again this week, that's okay. They can beat Seattle Seahawks with John Wolford. I really? do believe that. In I do. Seattle. I do. It won't be easy. Mm-hmm. It ain't going to be easy either way. Golf, Wolford, you right. know, Jim Everett, whatever they want to bring back, it ain't going to be easy. Right. Um, but, yes, with the style of play and how they match up with Seattle, I do believe they can do that. Yeah, Rams, Seahawks, uh, the, the sandwich game there on Saturday. Yeah. 440 on Saturday afternoon. Okay, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers lock up the number one seed. They beat the Bears 35-16. to Did he lock up the MVP? Of course he did. Josh uh, Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Derrick Henry. I mean, I, I do think, you know, of course, all of them deserve to be there in that conversation. I think with the way the year ended, mm-hmm. I'd probably go Rodgers 1, Allen 2. two. I would. I mean, Allen ended the year on fire and making more wow plays maybe than anybody in football. I mean, Derrick Henry, we know how good that was. But when you just talk about consistent greatness, mm-hmm. execution, wow factor week in and week out i think rogers was the man this year in football he had the uh caused me to ignore family moments there yesterday because he was eight for eight then nine for nine ten for ten i'm gonna stay here (laughs) he was ten for ten right and then he would have stayed perfect he had the the perfect post pass thrown and it was dropped can you believe that no can you believe that so we were getting you know i knew he was ten for ten and a half and i'm like oh man rogers on fire he's got the mvp yeah and you know, we're sitting there, and now we're getting ready. I come back out. I think I got my suit on or whatever, and I look at the screen, and I see that throw. Yeah. And someone goes, that was his first in- incompletion. And I was like, what? Yeah. I was like, that was his first throw of the half right there and all that? I mean, mm-hmm. that was uh, unbelievable. But uh, Chicago took some chances yesterday. Yes. They knew they had to. Yeah. With the way Rodgers is playing, they're running the ball. You know, if, if, if you remember the first Valdez-Scantling touchdown right up the middle. That's what I've got in my mind, It's yeah. him versus Denny Trevathan. Yeah. Because they're playing a defense where they're going, all right, it's third and short. Yeah. We're going to take a chance, and yeah. we're going to think they're going to throw it short. Right. And they kind of played that. They played yeah. like, we think you're going to throw slants or crossers over the middle, mm-hmm. and Rodgers is almost unstoppable, so yeah. we're going to have to do something a little crazy here. And Rodgers is too fucking smart. And was like, wait, okay, wait. Uh, exactly. one, but that you're man-to-man with him. Zoom, I'll touchdown. take that. Right. I, I think he doesn't get enough credit because he's so gifted and his numbers are so good. Yeah. It's easy to talk about the other things, and it's easy to fault the Bears. I think a lot of people are saying, like, how could you put a linebacker on, on that inside slot receiver? But these things happen, and quarterbacks don't always recognize them. Exactly. Like defenses get away with it. Right. They take those chances because right. sometimes they get away with they it. They do. He Forget about the talent. He doesn't let the defense get away with Very that rarely. decision. Right? You're right. Very rarely does he let you get away with a I'm going to roll the dice type coverage right. to where I might not cover this guy yeah. because I don't think you'll really notice it and I'm doing something so crazy back here that you wouldn't think we would do something like that. Right. And you're right. He never misses doesn't those miss opportunities. Those. I mean, how many times did you have a film session? I'm not like pointing at you in your career. I, yeah had the same thing in my very pedestrian oh, career. But how many times the next sure. day were you watching me like, how did I not see that? I know, right. Why did I not see that right. the linebacker was on my best receiver? Right. But it right. happens. It does. Just not, not to him. It does. Often. You know, and, and that's what it takes sometimes to beat those type of teams yeah. when they're on fire with that quarterback. Listen, the week before, we talked about Atlanta did that to Kansas City a few times, where I think if they played again, they would tear Atlanta up. But 
They did some stuff where it's like, wait, they can't bring that blitz yeah. and then not cover that guy. You, that, that's not sound. That doesn't make sense. My coach never told me a defense to do, do that. But they roll a dice on, yeah. a, on a quarterback like that. And, yeah, that happens. But he never misses it. And, uh, you know, honestly, Paul, I've never talked to somebody who has knowledge of Rodgers or been around him who just doesn't awe about his smarts. Right. I mean, they're, they're in awe. You know, the thing I hear more times than not about Aaron Rodgers is he's usually the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. And I think it shows in the football field, too. My eyes have gone to when I'm watching them. I mean, I love watching him throw. But the second they break the huddle, I like it when they focus on him because you can see where he's looking and kind of what he's sizing Those up. Those big eyes and he's already, yeah. As soon he's as dissecting. that plays out of his mouth, I mean, yeah. you know exactly. He's like, okay. What are they doing over there? No doubt. Over there? Okay. I don't He's know so comfortable going. right now. It's awesome to watch. Yeah. The, I think between LaFleur, Nathaniel Hackett, what they've built around him, they've given him answers for everything. They've made him feel good that no matter what the defense does, mm-hmm. we got an answer. And, you know, if we don't got an answer, then get to one of your magic audibles and you'll figure it out. And I just think they're in a spot right now, a little bit like Buffalo, where I go, they seem almost unstoppable right now on offense. Feels that way. It does. I yeah. mean, just between him throwing and the run game and everything, it seems like it's damn hard to stop. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley. For the love of home. Saints defense now is our next damn okay stop. They beat the Panthers 33-7. to Five picks? Yeah, five Teddy, picks. Teddy Bridgewater kind of fell off. No, yeah, Teddy, that's going to be an interesting offseason conversation, too, about, you know, where, where does that go? Mm-hmm. Uh, do they want to stand pat with, with Teddy B? They're going to have a high draft pick. I mean, the Justin Fields conversation could be in, yeah. in play there. I would think I did invest heavily in him as, as my backup. I would love to have him as my backup. Exactly. I don't. I don't know if I feel good about trying to win 11, 12 games. I agree. With him playing sixteen. No, I agree. I, you know, I just um, first off, there's too many moments like we saw yesterday all year with Teddy Bridgewater. I think where you just go, "Ooh, the game's good," and "Oh, they're keeping pace," and then he makes the big mistake. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of doing that yesterday. You know, the, the score of this game very misleading. Carolina moved the ball on them. You know, but then. He's got a double post. A, po- a lot of the play, like we've just showed, we've shown two double posts on our, right. on our next-gen stuff today. Double post. And he's got, I believe, Curtis Samuel on the underneath post, but he predetermined it. And he threw the second post, and Malcolm Jenkins is there to intercept yep. it. 
Then he has another play where he kind of predetermines and thinks he knows the coverage beforehand. I think he thinks he's got man-to-man, and a man-to-man, I got you know three receivers to the right, I'm going to have an under route, an under route, and the inside of the three is going to run the corner route. He should be open against man-to-man. Well, no, it was a little combination zone pass-off, yeah. and he just throws it up, and it was just an easy interception. Um, I'm excited about Carolina's future. I really am. I, I think there's a lot of young talent there. Quarterback's going to be uh, something to address, in my opinion. I'm with you there. And the Saints, you know, I know we're not talking about them like Buffalo or Green Bay or the Chiefs right now, but they're still right there. In that they're right on the edge. I, I don't mm-hmm. feel as good about them as like, those other three, yeah. but I think they're right off that conversation to where I look at them and their defense and their playmaking ability, and I think Breeze looked pretty damn good yesterday again, too where I just go, I would be shocked if they're not a major player in the NFC playoffs. They're kind of flying under the radar, they which really is crazy are. as a number two C, but right. as well as Green Bay is playing, they're getting a lot, of, a lot of respect right now. And then teams below them, the Buccaneers, the Seahawks, much more discussed and maybe even feared right now than, than New Orleans. It does seem that way. You're right. Um, and, I mean, again, what they did again yesterday without running backs, Yeah. you know, that was, okay, we got to play a receiver at running back. You know, early on in the game, Carolina was blitzing them a lot because I think they were like, I don't think this guy knows how to pick up the blitz or all the rules or all that type of stuff. But their offensive line is so special. I think that's the one thing that always jumps out to me about the Saints right now. And, you know, they're ready to go. Mm -hmm. I, I, I like the Saints football team. I would expect them to beat the Bears this week and make a serious threat to, to go to the Super Bowl. And that's the mid-afternoon game, 440. Uh, Bears and the Saints coming up on Sunday. One more damn okay. And yeah. it used to be when we are talking Seattle, it was always Russell Wilson this, Russell Wilson that. Seahawks defense getting highlighted here. They beat the Niners 20, 26-23. I mean, it's the greatest 180 in football this right? year, maybe. It went from the first 10 weeks of this team is all offense, all offense, all offense, and the defense sucks, yes. to we've gone the last six or seven weeks where I go, Offense is just okay, and the defense is phenomenal. Look at this. First eight games, Chris, Yeah, 30 points per game. They were 30th in the NFL scoring defense. And we were saying, hey, if they could just get that down in the 20s, somehow they could be really, really good. Last eight games, 16, best in the NFL. Wow. They're, I, I would think they're at the top of the list in just about all statistical categories on the defensive side of the ball the last five, six weeks of the year. Yeah. I really would. Doing it in a lot of different ways, too. I mean, really, you know, great disguises, you know, great feel for when to take a chance. Um, you know, they're, they've gotten really good at, like, you know, what I call the blitz change, the blitz change thing, mm-hmm. where to me this is, you know, it, this, this, is the, this is the best thing I think I see really good defenses do, just where, hey, it's a lot of people in the line of scrimmage. We end up rushing four, but it looked like we were going to rush right. six or seven. And, you know, two, dro- two dropped and two blitzed and, and doing that to where it's just giving them enough of a schematical advantage, let alone they're healthier. And, the addition, you know, Jamal Adams getting better and Carlos Dunlap to where they're dominant. And they have times yesterday where they just whooped the crap out of the 49ers right. and they're, uh, on their offense, uh, uh, on the offensive side of the ball there. Pete Carroll's a defensive guy, so you know he had a lot to do with that turnaround going from really the worst to one of the best, if not the best. And NFC Coach of the Year, you look at him, you look at Bruce Arians, how they've come out of the late bye to play so well at the end of the year, and obviously Matt LaFleur, 
Which one do you like best there in the NFC? So let's say, say that again. Lafleur. So, who else? So I've got yeah. on this list. Lafleur. Yeah, right. Bruce Arians. I think should be on there because sure. it, they've come out of that bye week yeah. where they were struggling so much in November. Right. To be playing their best football right now, and also Pete Carroll. So those three in the NFC. I gotta go with Lafleur. Is you talking about? Would you talk about just, just w- NFC? I'm sorry, I was thinking. Year. Okay, yeah, I would just probably NFC. go with Lafleur. Okay. I, I mean, that's a tough one. I mean, they're they're all awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ron Rivera could probably be in that Ron list too. too. Yeah. I know it's 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 really I think one of the most competitive years ever for Coach of the Year. Yeah, I mean because even if you just think of total, you just go well. I mean, and we're not even thinking about AFC. I know Sean McDermott yeah. and Mike Tomlin and all he's done and all that. I'm gonna go with Lafleur though. Mm-hmm. I am. Lafleur to me is the most underappreciated coach in football. You know, is that because just Aaron's talent I, is so I, good? I think so, but that's also why you know where I want to just go to like self-correct everybody a little bit is like. But remember, this is the thing we scared, we're scared of when he, he was first hired. I was scared. Can he handle Rodgers? Can he handle you know, the personality, the microscope you're under in Green Bay? Right. Yeah. You know, all of those type of things. But I think it's shown you he has tremendous people skills. And he doesn't have too much of an ego. That's mm-hmm. the biggest thing to me, where he doesn't have to be like, no, it's my offense. I'm the play caller. He's... Perfectly fine, yeah. fine. Rodgers, give him all the credit. That's cool. And he has Aaron Rodgers' respect. And he definitely does. And that's that's, uh, that's I mean, half that's, that's the battle. Not automatic. No, you're right. Because right? I think that he's proven to Rodgers, like we just talked about with the Nathaniel Hackett thing, where they're like, that these guys are fucking smart. Yeah, they right. know ball. So I can learn from something from them, and mm-hmm. it makes us a better football team. But LaFleur, I think, is the most underrated, underappreciated 26-6 and six coach I've ever seen in my 26 life. 26-6. and six. That's insane. Right? It's insane. It really is, and I, I just can't say enough about him. Uh, he he deserves deserves a lot of credit. Pete Carroll's phenomenal. He, he's another guy that you know he's probably should have won this award a few other times altogether. Right. But them getting the defense together, and again, that game was scary yesterday. They were losing sixteen to six in the fourth quarter. It's a heck of a battle. This is where I worry about them. It's become a little too. Russell-centric in Seattle. It's kind of how they've won the last couple of years. Though. I know, but it's just I don't know if they can get to the Super Bowl that, way, that way or win the Super Bowl. It can't just be, you know, always about him just buying time and making a play and making the perfect throw on one-on-one coverage. It's just too much for me at times. There's got to be some more there to help the offense and just make it look a little easier. Um, but the defense is phenomenal. And there they were, Paul. I mean, it's uh, six. They finally take the lead, nineteen sixteen, mm-hmm. and the defense and Benson Biola get to the quarterback, and they make the big play to let the offense score one more time to go right. up and really end the game right there. A couple of offensive notes here as we're talking. Damn okay, DK Metcalf just over thirteen hundred receiving yards breaks Steve Largent's franchise record. Yeah, Tyler Lockett a hundred receptions. That also. Set a franchise record. It's a damn good one-two combination. I, I, I don't know how many yards Lockett ended up with, but they're a great complement to each other just mm-hmm. because, you know, one guy's a smaller speed, quickness, can change direction. The other guy, we just split them out and say good luck covering them, and we'll see where it goes from there. 1,054 Wow, from Pete. Man. One final assist there. A lot of offense this year in the NFL. A little too much offense for me, I can't lie. Too much offense. It would be more fun with a little more defense, we, wouldn't it? We set I, records I and points. We're, we're seeing 40-plus touchdown passes. I mean, just it was a little too easy this yeah. year, no I doubt. Completely agree. Yeah. That's going to bring our Monday to a close. We, we tried to hit, kind of jump around and 
hit the big topics while the games that matter the most as opposed to the, the normal deep dive on a few games that we would do on a Monday. I tried to keep it all to Sunday, but we we did a little peek in the head. To, that's all right. To that was good. We got weekend. to. That's what's yeah. what's coming not up. To right now. Yeah, and that's what we're going to continue to do. We're going to figure out what we'll do for the Wednesday podcast. So I'm going to do some deep dives into these games, especially the teams that are playoff bound, just to break down some things I like or didn't like, and start to look at some interesting angles about the matchups coming up Sunday. I think that's where we should go. If you're listening to Chris Sims on Button, send in the questions. I'm, that's all I'm going to start doing tomorrow. Get done with pro football talk. I'm going to sit down, start watching film and breaking down these matchups. I might send one in too. Yeah, cool. Please do. Please yeah. do. And tell me, you know, uh, that I can't, I don't know this or you won't get this trivia or blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but either way, we are there. Playoffs, baby. Week 17. Happy New Year to everybody out there. Pauly B. Good to see you. You the man. Thanks for coming in. I know you yeah. had a long week, lots of work. All good. Want to be. You're a, gri- you're a grinder. It's a good thing to be. A grinder. All right. Peace out, everybody. Have a good week. We'll talk to you Wednesday. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.